Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. Uh, we have a returning comic creator today to talk about a new project. Uh, one of my favorite creators, Kyle Higgins, writer uh, extraordinaire. Kyle, it's good to see you, man. You too, man. How's everything going? Great, great. Uh, and as just in the interest of full disclosure, everybody, right as we're about to re- uh, record this, it just got announced. Issue five of Radiant Black just sold out. Oh, yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That means Every issue so far has sold out of the series, right? First print. Um, <clears throat> actually, I think I think every printing of every issue is sold out. Wow. I think. I'm not sure, actually. Maybe the third printings. Maybe there, there might still be some third printings available um, because we haven't done a fourth. So maybe. Okay. So so I, I'm, I'm wrong then. Uh, yeah. At least the first printing of every issue uh, has sold out and three of our issues have gone for third printings. Um, and, uh, I'm starting to run out of stuff to put on the third printing cover. So, um, retailers order higher, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's fun. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's a nice little bit of kind of press bump, um, when something like that happens. Um, it's always really tricky because as a, as a publisher and, and especially as a creator, I can speak as a creator, I'll say that. The worst thing in the world <laughs> is dead stock that sits at Diamond and then right. you're paying, because then I'm, and by I, I mean the creative team, we are paying for um, you know, storage fees and stuff like right. that. So it always is this like really tricky, fine little needle to thread where it's like, how you know how much to overprint things like that um getting stuck with again stuff dead stock um but then also retailers are in the similar situation where they're trying to thread like the world's tiniest needle every month and so they're like well how much did we sell last month how much do we think we can sell how many are still on the stands um so the 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 funny thing about um like especially on an issue one um, selling out, you would think like on the like the morning of release, like if your book is sold out, like that's a great thing. It's actually not because then it's not on the stands for anybody else to find right. for the rest of New Comic Book Day, you know? Yeah. So so it's like a really, anyway, it's like a very, del- it's like a weird balancing act of factors that you're always kind of weighing and every book goes through this and every publisher goes through this. Yeah. And it's especially when, like you said, it's creator owned, the logistics kind of fall on you as opposed to a big, you know, one of the big two, they have a little more, you know, kind of resources behind them. It's not as big of a a deal, but I I will say that creatively it has to be very satisfying to know that, you know, obviously new people are constantly discovering radiant black and and that's great. Yeah. That, that part's a lot of fun. I mean, there's this, uh, there's a discord server now, um, that the gentlemen who they actually run a radiant black podcast, they set up this discord server and I just happened to tweet out it. Somebody should do a discord. And it turned out there actually was one. And, and, and so seeing like what the community has kind of, um, grown over even just a few days into is, is that's pretty neat. Um, it's, uh, I've never had a book like that before, especially a creator-owned book. Um, I'll tell you probably the thing that I am the most proud of and the thing that gives me the most kind of, um, I guess, pride. Uh, and, and I don't want to say like joy or happiness because that it's, that's not what it does. But um, this is the first time I, I've had books launch really well in the past, um, but never a creator-owned. Right. Um, 
Cowl launched the best of my creator-owned stuff. And the other ones didn't launch poorly or anything. But to do the kind of numbers that we did on Radiant Black um, in the past, my other launches that have done that well are Nightwing for the new 52 and Power Rangers. And in both cases, you know, there's some truth to this, but there's also some perception. Um, you know, the books weren't launching because of the creative teams. Right. So, um, you know, I've had, uh, you know, people have, at Nightwing, I was a brand new writer. Um, Eddie Barrows was a really exciting artist for that series, especially for that launch. And so that certainly helps, you know, it's also part of the new 52 wave and everything launched really well. Right. And then Power Rangers, um, you know, it's the first Power Ranger comic uh, in the way that we decided to do it um, in forever. Uh, honestly, it was the first one ever. Right. Um, and so, you know, you know, I've, publishers have, have kind of uh, said things behind the scenes over the years about like, well, it's Power Rangers, like, right. and just don't take it seriously, but also use the fact that it's an existing IP to explain it launching really well. And with Radiant Black, um, you can't really do that, you know? Like, it's ours. It's all original. Like, yes, we, are, we have some aesthetic influences that we're, we're riffing on and, and some archetypes that we're riffing on and then looking to subvert um, and take some really, really big swings with it. And the fact that all the little things that we've been planning are not only bearing fruit, but people are really into them and the numbers are as high as they are, um, is a really, really rewarding feeling. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. For myself, having known you for so long and seeing this success uh, and this community spring up around the comic, it, it, I like it when good things happen to good people. So uh, everybody, Kyle mentioned the Discord. I'll put a link in the show notes. So if you want to go and join, it's, it's a really cool community. Everybody's really excited. There's different channels. You can talk about theory. You can go spoiler. Uh, so I'll, I'll put a link. Everybody, uh, I encourage you to go check it out. And a bunch um, of us, a bunch of us pop in. Uh, Marcelo, Eduardo, myself, Michael. Um, I don't know if Becca's come in yet. Igor Monti, who's going to be doing um, some coloring uh, going forward. Um, yeah, everybody kind of pops in, and and so it's it's fun and and like like you just said, Jace, like everyone's super, everyone's just super chill. And that's, that's the thing. Like when the, when I wrote the letters column for issue one, I meant what I said, which was that I wanted to try to foster community, but I didn't plan. I wasn't intending something like this. Like right. I, I meant through the letters column and through um, all the cool ancillary stuff we're doing and amongst other creators, because I want to, I want to use the back matter as a space to showcase other creators that I'm excited about and other projects and, and also just really cool other medium type uh, pieces. You know, we have some articles coming up that are going to be more kind of detailed history explorations of the genre, um, both American comics as well as tokusatsu and where some of the overlap comes from, things like that. I mean, the panel by panel uh, issue that, that came out in March that Hassan uh, runs like that was, we, we all were just blown away, like on the creative team when that came out. I was like, just, it was so thorough and, and just, again, all those little things that we're planning just for us, because they make us smile, right. are, are, every, people are catching them, you know? And that's, that's it. That's a, as, as a former musician, like when you, when you, 
when you sit in that, when you feel that rhythm section and you, you're just all sitting in that pocket together, like it's like they're, they, they're feeling what you're doing and you're feeling what they're doing. Like, it's a great, like, that's when you're really in sync. So, um, it's, you know, hopefully we don't, we don't screw it up here or anything. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's the thing about it. like, you, you know, you yourself said you didn't necessarily, you wanted a community, but I mean, you say that it's like lightning in a bottle. It's, it's not something you can plan on or the way it's going to grow organically. Um, and hopefully we'll get something similar with uh, the project we're here to talk about today, which is, uh, which is Ordinary God. So why don't you let everybody know kind of what the elevator pitch is. Sure. Uh, uh, Ordinary Gods launches everybody July 7th from, uh, from Image. Yeah, it's, it launches July 7th. We've got a really fun trailer that uh, maybe we can, we can throw up or you can put in the show notes. Um, but it's a series that has been in the works for a very long time. Um, it's an idea I had uh, many years ago and have worked on it. I don't want to say over 10 years, but pretty darn close um, to find the best version of it. Um, the best way to pitch it is it's, it's something of a cross between things like the Matrix and Highlander. And, and um, it involves these immortal uh, warriors, uh, these immortal, essentially immortals. Um, they're called gods just for the you know, ease of parlance. But they are from a realm beyond our own, and there are 13 of them, and each one kind of has a territory or fiefdom within this overall realm that the one king kind of, you know, rules down on. But each realm is, um, has a connection to what we think of as like a human emotion. So there's the realm of, of savagery, savagery and, and, um, and strength and, um, you know, uh, guilt and regret are our neighbors over this waterfall, you know, like it's all kind of, um, it's very, uh, it's very large. Um, but what our series is actually about is, uh, th this, this central problem that plagued these immortals for hundreds of thousands of years, because they ultimately went to war with each other and five of them leading this kind of rebellion uh, the leader, the, or the, uh, the luminary, the prodigy, the brute, the trickster, the genius, or the innovator, I think we call them. And the problem is how do you make any semblance of progress in a rebellion when the big immortal that you kill can be brought back because they're immortal. Right. And so the cycle of life, death, and rebirth, um, just perpetuates this war for even longer. And that's when uh, the innovator has this idea, which is rather than killing uh, the immortals, perhaps there's a way to imprison them. And they create a machine uh, that basically is looking to bind the essences, the souls of these immortals um, to a barren planet. And that planet is what becomes Earth. And so now these five immortals, because the machine is used against them, their own machine is used against them before they can use it in a war. They are now uh, bound to Earth, and life starts as a result. So, if Earth is the prison, uh, life is the prison cells. So, these five have reincarnated throughout, um, you know, hundreds of years, um, thousands of years uh, on Earth, and have been different, sometimes prominent people. Uh, if you, if you take a look at the, the territories I laid out there, you know, the, the leader, the prodigy, the brute, the trickster, the genius, like those are all archetypes that in one way or another, you could say we are all a little bit, um, derived from. 
So um, there's a lot going on. Uh, the main character is uh, 22-year-old Christopher, who I don't want to spoil too much. Um, it's a big oversized first issue, but basically uh, to have any hope of um, saving the world, he has to become a god again. Yeah, and I did get a chance to to check out the first issue, and I, oh, you I did. Okay. I, I have I have I have goosebumps uh, hearing you talk about it. It was absolutely amazing. Um, and maybe you can speak to this on on the long development time, with so many big ideas and and having this oversized issue, and it's in scope. It's just massive, and you can do so much. You know, mentioning them reincarnating over time. It's possible we could see they were famous people or or, or people that you know Abraham Lincoln is on the cover. So you know that gets yeah. me thinking. But the other thing that you do in explaining this scope really well in the first issue, there's no uh, lack of action or, you know, it's not like you it, it's all exposition. Hey, here's the world. Like you give us plenty of, of narrative and you're really there's great story beats and there's great characterization. How, how tough was that? Was that why it took so long to to really nail this and have it come out? Yeah, I mean, it's it's for that reason. It, the, the, there is that challenge, certainly. Um, but there is also I mean, that's part of why the first issue is 40 pages um, and not for any more money, by the way, but it's a big oversized first issue. Uh, and it's because I felt strongly that in order to talk about the book in the press, um, I needed to be able to talk about what's in issue one and like the concept alone, you have to both teach readers and cement it uh, so that you can subvert it potentially by issue two or three, or maybe even the end of one. Um, you'll have to read to find out. But the, the other challenge was finding the right creative partners. Um, and Felipe Watanabe is an artist that uh, Eduardo Ferragato had introduced me to or turned me on to a couple years ago now. And um, Felipe has this big blockbuster widescreen style that um, definitely has some shades of, of you know, people like Jerome Pena and uh, I'd say even like Lionel Francis Yu. Um, and so then building it to Felipe's kind of aesthetic and his strengths as well has been an absolute blast. Frank Williams coloring. Um, Frank hasn't done a ton of U.S. books. Um, so I think people are going to be pretty impressed when they see his work here. And then uh, my old letter, Clayton Cowles, is, uh, is, is handling all things lettering on this one. And of course, uh, Michael, Mr. Wizard Basoodle is uh, both handling our design and editing uh, the series. So we're, you know, we're up through quite a few issues at this point. So it's exciting for it to finally, after all this time, actually uh, come out. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, whenever you have a, a book launching, I'm always so excited for you because I, I love to see people's reaction. And, and, we, and Felipe wasn't able to join us today. We wanted him uh, to, but I did send him a, a couple of questions of everybody. And one of the things I did ask Felipe was about uh, coming on the book. And he, he mentioned, he, you mentioned it to him way back in 2018. Uh, and it sounds like he was so excited by the idea. He was on board right away. Is that how you remember it as well? Oh yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We've been, we've been talking about it and working on it behind the scenes for quite a long time. Um, and then with COVID last year, we kind of put it on pause so everyone could focus on things that were going to be more immediate future for, for me, that was Radiant Black and, and for Felipe, that was some work that he had, um, I believe in Brazil is where, where he, he lives. Um, and, and so I don't remember the question. What was the question? 
Just yes, what, he said yes immediately. He said yes, he said yes immediately. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the other thing I asked him was about uh, establishing the, the tone. Um, and, and he said that you guys are even still working on that now. And it, it's a bit of a challenge because the story is so big and you do have the opportunity to, to move through time. Um, so I, I wonder, um, you know, you talk about taking big swings with your creator owned stuff. I've heard you say it's several times you feel, you know, obligated to put something different out there. And, you know, you use the word subvert as well, which is what you're doing in Gritty Black. That's so great. Uh, without spoiling, can can we kind of expect those uh, kind of levels of subversion, but maybe in a different way? I mean, this is in tone. It feels so different than Radiant Black, but yet they both are huge in scope. Yeah, um, honestly, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm too close to it. Like, I, I think so. I, I know, like, we're working on issues like seven through 12 right now. So what the book becomes is quite a bit different than what the book starts as um, in some ways. Um, so to me, it, 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 the status quo feels, um, exciting, but I also have to always remember where issue one starts. So hopefully, hopefully it, it does, it does that for people as well. Um, like I said, there's definitely some archetypal stuff that we're riffing on, um, on purpose. Um, yeah, I guess ask me, uh, ask me again. After issue one comes out, yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, to, yeah, a few issues are, are out there. And, and I guess, are, are and I guess the the other big thing I want to say um, about it is that uh, we have a pretty amazing collection of covers. Um, sorry, my cat. Um, I'm actually gonna have to go in a second. He's um, actually a little worried about him, so I got to get him to the vet. Um, but uh, yeah, we have this amazing collection of of retailer covers. The main the main book, the the actual you know main series you buy only has one cover. Um, but, uh, we have, uh, a, a lot like 16 retailer exclusive covers and seven of those are actually kind of partnerships that we've done with different stores. Um, and they're each one of the, their covers is one of the characters that was illustrated for the main cover. That's right behind your head right now, Jace. And so the main cover is actually a jam piece of some of my favorite artists and, and, uh, friends, uh, Dan Panosian and Tula Lote, Rod Reese, Felipe, um, Dave Johnson, Nicholas Scott, and Declan Shalvey, and then Matt Williams colored the whole thing. So for these retailer covers, we're going to do each because that's a full character illustration that is you know composited together here. Right. So we're going to do the solo characters as seven standalone covers as well. And so we're actually working. Michael's going to put together a website um, resource so that we'll have links to make it easier, hopefully to collect, um, all seven. Oh, that's, if that's your, if that's your sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. That'd be awesome to have that. But set. these are all, but these are all lives that Christopher has perhaps, uh, had some sort of association with. Well, yeah. And that, that's kind of going back to what Felipe said, um, and what has him so excited about the project. He, he mentioned just having the different situations and moments in history and, and being able to, explore that and uh how much of that idea and scope of moving around how much of that played into the design of of christopher himself and and the way these gods look i mean it's sorry, so... sorry. can you say that one more time can you ask that one more time what yeah as you... far as far as uh, felipe is really excited about going through different parts of of the history and exploring different things and when i asked him about character design uh, he said there was a couple back and forth and then you guys just just nail it because it, it it really is and you see it in the first issue 
the the scenes where you're seeing the immortals versus when you're seeing Christopher and his family, it's a little bit of a different aesthetic. And I think Felipe really nailed it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like an artist, there are some artists who do really well with fantasy, but not so much with the world outside your window um, and vice versa. There are a lot of artists that can do world outside your window, but aren't necessarily great with fantasy. And then on top of that, finding an artist who can not only do both, but can handle incredibly dynamic, like make all of that really dynamic. Um, that's really, really tough to find. So yeah, I totally agree with Felipe. Like it, it clicked pretty early. Um, and you know, and then I, I very much pride myself on writing to the, what I think the strengths of, or at least the interests of, uh, of an artist are. Um, and so that definitely Felipe's interests for sure shape where the story, certain things that we focus on in the story, um, this is a collaboration after all, um, but also the design aesthetic, you know, there are a couple different ways you could go with future realms, you know, you could, or other realms. And we have a little bit of a kind of, um, you know, sword and sandals uh, kind of interpretation, but intermixed with that is uh, a little bit more sci-fi, um, particularly some of the machines and um, you know, there's some, there's some Dune kind of influence there, but um, you know, show me a sci-fi series that wasn't influenced by Dune. Right. Um, so it is a little bit kind of sword and sandals through kind of like a little bit of a Dune lens. Um, and that's just that realm, what earth is and all of the different generations of history. I mean, issue two deals with some stuff in, um, in like 1917, um, as well as modern day, as well as, um, some, I believe some 1800s Japan. So we're kind of all over the place and, and that's, what's fun. It's a, it's a lot of research, but, um, it's, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in, in, um, living up to the promise of your premise. And it, that's the other reason it took so long is <laughs> it's, it's a really big premise. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And and one of the things I love about it is you're pulling from, from all these different influences, but you're also not falling into those trope. I, I think the idea of having each God's realm be named for, you know, emotion or, or kind of personality traits, cunning, envy, inspiration, love. I mean, that is just, that's brilliant. Um, and I can't wait to, to learn uh, more about that. I mean, just a fantastic idea. I'm surprised nobody's ever done it before. At least I've never heard of anybody doing it before. Well, on the, on the one hand, it's like, it's a little on the nose, certainly. But on the other hand, we very much exist in this kind of meta modernist society. Now I was just talking to Matt Groom about this last night and, and a few others, Michael and, and, and such, and just talking about, you know, moving on beyond postmodernism and kind of where we are now. And it's like, everything can matter. Every, you can kind of do anything. Like I'm using thought bubbles again in radiant black, you know? Yeah. So naming things and stripping them down to the metal and what they are and just being that direct. I mean, that's very in vogue right now with design. Um, but it's also, I think, it can apply to, to world building in, in a way that, you know, might've been a little too direct in the past, but now is kind of like, for me anyway, it sits a little better for some reason. Maybe it's just because I finally feel like I've, I've seen and read kind of everything, you know, like, yeah. um, I'm sure I haven't, of course, but you, you do feel like you're, you're constantly as a writer as well. You're constantly like, okay, all right, well, how do we break that then? You know? Right. Yeah. So I, I feel the same fun. way. 
you know, having read comics for 40 years, you know, I read something and I, I know it may not, the writer may not have read what it's reminding me of, but sometimes things just feel so derivative, you know, it's just yeah. a product of living. So, totally. uh, well, anyway, Kyle, uh, you're so busy. So I really appreciate the time. Um, again, congratulations on the success of Radiant Black, hoping for the same with Ordinary Gods, everybody. You want to get a first print, everybody, right? You want that first print. Tell your retailer now that you want yeah. Ordinary Gods set aside a copy for you because you don't want to miss out. I know, uh, you know, we were talking about how these Radiant Black issues have sold out. So let your retailer know. It's the best thing you can do to help them thread that needle, like uh, like Kyle said. Uh, so as we're winding up here, Kyle, any uh, last thoughts to share? And why don't you remind everybody where they can find you online? No, I think that's everything, man. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm stretched unbelievably thin at the moment. So um, I'm sure there's other stuff going on, but I, I'm, I'm kind of only, I have blinders on to, I think I, think I have 25 emails uh, from uh, during the time of us recording right now. And I got to get, oh, come on, buddy. I got to get my cat to the vet. So um, uh, social media, best way, I guess, Kyle at Kyle D. Higgins. Um, and then beyond that, um, I'm popping in the discord, uh, once in a while for radiant black. Um, but yeah, at, at Caldy Higgins and, and also my, um, we have a, a newsletter called uh, black market news. Um, and so that you can find through, um, actually the easiest way to sign up is just radiant.black slash newsletter. And you can sign up there. I haven't put one out. Um, it's been a little longer than I, I wanted or intended, but, um, hopefully the next few days I'll, I'll get something out. Great. And again, everybody, I'll put links to the Discord, the newsletter, and Kyle's social media uh, in the show notes and the trailer as well for uh, Ordinary God. So you can go and check all that out. So I want to thank Kyle for his time. And we want to thank you listeners for uh, joining us as always. Really appreciate the support. And we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.